Welcome back. Happy New Year. Wing It Podcast, GooseDigital.com. Who do we have? Chris O'Neill. Kevin Butler. Mike Warren. Mike Warren, thank you for joining us. Welcome. First guest of 2019. I'm the new guy. Yeah, Yeah, the new guy. Um, This means a lot. So, um, Michael's, uh, Mike, Michael, what are we doing here? Yeah, we have to pick that, don't we? Uh, I'll go Michael. You go Mike. How's that? Okay, fine. So, Michael's uh, from comda.com, and we're going to talk, let him talk about the background there, but um, one of Goose's more prestige customers and a very important account. So we're thrilled to have him on the scene and, and the uh, first guest of 2019. Yeah, and a long-term one too. I think year four? Uh, yeah, yeah. Four three, 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 three. Yeah. I think we're going yeah. to three. Yeah. Yeah. three. So yeah, well, Michael, I'll turn it over to you to give your, little, give your intro here. Wow. Um, all right, let me do that. Uh, mm. Comda. Comda is a promotional products company. Um, it's kind of a buzz term that if you're not in the industry, you probably have no idea what that means. But what we sell are um, um, products that have logos, company names on them mm-hmm. um, that they, you know, these businesses then give out to their customers as gifts, generally speaking. Um, sometimes they sell them, but more often than not, they give them away as thank yous to their customers, reminders, ways of um, making their customers feel important, mm-hmm. and, uh, and obviously getting their company name, logo, phone number, things like that out into the into their marketplace where they uh, hopefully get a return on investment from from that value, that advertising um, avenue. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's evolved a lot over the 40, 45 years we've been in that business. Um, The product mix has changed a lot over the years, but uh, a lot of them are still staples, T-shirts, baseball hats, pens, calendars, all those coffee mugs, things that you traditionally think of as, as promotional products. They're still very much the staples of that industry. Hey, marketing right. guys here. So we we uh, we support the notion of branding and there you uh, go. lead generation tools and tactics. Yeah, I mean we 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 love that stuff. We've been buying a lot of it from Comda, and uh, and uh, we certainly see the value in having our logo attached to these things and handing them out in a variety of different ways. Um, and those of you that don't know, you're been with the company for basically since the beginning. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and your role? Sure. Uh, it is a family business, uh, but actually my, my father started it back in the early 70s. And, uh, you know, I've sort of obviously been involved in it really from day one uh, as a kid. I can remember packing boxes and, you know, yeah. doing things like that on weekends. And I still feel like I'm owed money for that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> family business has those things in it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, grew up through the business, um, which I think is a good thing from the perspective that, you know, I understand all the different elements of the business. I understand the sales process. I've, you know, done the, mm-hmm. the, the actual on the phone selling and then, um, you know, I've, I've um, taught salespeople, built out sales teams myself, got into the marketing elements. Um, more recently, you know, started to get in more involved or, or have a clearer understanding of the uh, um, the business workings and such. Went back to school, um, you know, honed my knowledge on that kind of uh, element of it, and uh, now uh, you know, largely run the place with with my brothers. So it's awesome. 
Uh, it's an amazing story, and um, you know, it's one that I think uh, we hear we hear a few of, right? We, we the types of customers that we tend to go after, um, customers that have great businesses, and a lot of those tend to be family-run companies that are making the transition to digital and transforming their their operations, and probably I, mean, I can imagine over the forty-five years had to transform the operations many times, you know, to evolve with the, mm-hmm. the a the times and b the growing the growing business. Um, that's one of the things we wanted to sort of um, talk about right now was, you know, we see Comda as, as a, an example of, of a prime uh, trans, a transformative organization that, that, is, that is looking at, you know, the last X number of years and the success that we've had um, running a business and now changing with the times. And those times are different now. And, and so basically, I'd like to maybe turn it over to Chris to say, like, what are you seeing um, on the front lines, you know? Chris, you're, you're having a conversation daily. Right. So the, the things that, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, you know, the way that uh, that customers were contacted or prospects were contacted, a much different scene than what we're, we're seeing today. One of the things about family-run businesses is oftentimes, you know, the patriarch or the matriarch have, uh, you know, very entrenched sort of ideas about how it is mm-hmm. that uh, new customers are, are acquired. Uh, how existing customers are marketed to. Um, and one of the things that I'm sure you have uh, experienced, you know, since the business has been around for like those 50 years. Almost. Uh, is, um, you know, those multiple transformations. I mean, it, it, it hasn't just been over the last five years, guys. You know, it's mm-hmm. been like, uh, <laughs> there's been a few changes over the course of, the, you know, between, between um, you know, the late, the late 70s through to uh, 2000s. There was big changes in, and, uh, in the way that uh, people were contacted and the way that, um, that businesses were managed from a sales and marketing standpoint. Um, love to hear from you in terms of what that's been like sort of to, to sort of go into uh, the, you know, the, the odds in the, the, the 2010s with, you know, the understanding that, listen, our customers are behaving differently. Our, you know, our employees are looking for different things. I can absolutely tell you a lot of those things, um, having witnessed them firsthand, because you're right, over 40 years, it's remarkable how, uh, you know, some of those things that were um, core marketing beliefs mm-hmm. have been turned on their head and they just mm-hmm. don't work the way they once did. Mm-hmm. You know, we initially was a direct mail company. I mean, I can tell you we had oh, maybe half a dozen employees total. Uh, you didn't need any more than that. You know, you needed, uh, you send out a lot of mail. And there were catalogs and order forms and all kinds of things like that. And then you waited around for the mailman to bring back your business for you. Mm-hmm. And then it was fulfillment and you were done. There was very little, you know, customer contact directly. Um, that changed, um, I can't say exactly when, but I, I, I do know that telemarketing was sort of the next phase of customer contact. Ah, telemarketing. <laughs> yes, yes. Telemarketing. <laughs> it was not such a bad thing early on. It has been, <laughs> it got co-opted somewhere along the way and, uh, you know, unfortunately that happens. But, uh, you know, there was a time when, you know, um, 
our business and many others relied on telemarketing. It was mm. the way to to reach your customers and have conversations and 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 you know actually interact with them as opposed mm. to sending them something static and hoping they responded to it, which was you know direct mail. Well, people were answering the phone back then. I right? was just right. gonna say one of the big <laughs> yeah. game changers, honestly, yeah. is and this is probably in the last four or five years, people just don't answer their phone anymore. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm guilty of it as anybody. I just you know I, I with the advent of call screening and all that stuff, you just you don't just flat out pick up the phone every time it rings anymore. It's like a special occasion now, actually. It's yeah. kind of true. <laughs> really? Like you're like, oh, I'm going to have a phone call. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how, how much time is this going to take? Because <laughs> it'll take longer to text, but I'm willing to do that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It would. Yeah. It is remarkable how our mindsets change that way. But uh, so, yeah, that was, I think that was probably the most recent, um, you know, eye-opening game changer was that <laughs> wow telemarketing is a problem now it's not it's not a solution it's it's part of the problem and um you know that was uh, coupled with the, the the digital world change that that sea change of of digital communication that that really was the thing that everybody you know if you were quick on the nascent curve you were you're, you're you jumped ahead and there are companies are in our industry that were Mm-hmm. And they're the big players now. They're the dominant players. Would and it be fair to say that uh, because the telemarketing transformation, if you will, um, was something a little easy, more easily understood because you basically could throw more physical resources at it. You could basically say, okay, I want to drive more business, so therefore I need to get more people on the phone. And if that was maybe an easier thing to or transformation to understand than that which is the digital transformation where it's not exactly the same thing. A lot mm. more variables in the digital mm. transitions than just cutting over to say a telemarketing led program. Yeah, listen, it's not it's not just a straight volume play, you know. <laughs> as right. you said, you know, uh, just if I need more sales, I'll just hire more salespeople. And right. um, you know, as long as they're reasonably economically viable each one, then the more I have, the more money I'll, you know, the more revenue I'll drive. It was great. Um, and then it wasn't. And and the problem is digital isn't the same equation. It's mm-hmm. you, know, you can't define it the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the challenges that companies who are starting their digital journey off is that oftentimes they they don't have the knowledge um, themselves or, or internal capabilities to test out their value proposition online. And, and in many cases, they don't have that value proposition clearly articulated to this, themselves internally. Um, salesperson on the phone, maybe a print, you're, you're sort of relying on, well, whatever, the salesperson could be way more dynamic than a catalog. Catalog's gonna catch somebody's interest or not. Well, if I've got you on the phone, I can help, you know, be Mm -hmm. dynamic and and, and evolve that value proposition. But now you're saying, well, let's put an ad on Instagram. Let's put something in front of a prospective client. What is that going to look like? You know, yeah, you can target people. You can put an ad in front of that's 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 easy to do. But who and what are they going to say? And I think that that's part of what makes digital challenging is you don't know what levers yet that you can really pull and say, oh, yeah, well, we know that that type of ad to a trade show company that talks about price in Canada and there's you know 10,000 customers out there, just, just run another one of those and spend 100, 100K on it because we know what it's going to do. Whereas with people, you can just, well, we know, you know, one person can do X number of orders if we give them X number of accounts and you can you know what levers to pull, right? I think we're starting to get there slowly, but the conversation is now changing what I would say like finally, but 
this idea of some of these things are becoming a bit more normal in our sort of day-to-day marketing practices, whereas it's not just about can we target, I don't know, a region or a certain age group, depending on what, I don't know, the platform is, Facebook, Instagram, something else. So I think now we're asking the questions, well, what will we put in front of them, recognizing that there's a level of baseline knowledge going in across all a lot of businesses saying, mm. okay, these are the things we could do. And then someone smarts asking the question, well, what would that look like? Can we be very personalized in certain areas, right? Right. But we still got a way to go, but at least now we've been doing some of these things for five, six, maybe eight years in some cases. And so now it's it's about trying to get um, beyond the first ground level foundation of digital when, when would you say, and I want to jump, because we're, we're kind of jumping to number three, but I want to get to number two, but just because you, you mentioned we're doing this for six to eight years now, when would you say content marketing was a th- was a thing? Like, like wh- when did it start? When did it start? Um, good question. Like, was it like 08? Like, what would be the, uh, when, when would they? I don't think that, I don't know. I, was it that I think early? we've been sort of in content marketing for probably about like five to six years five now. Five to six years now? I think in terms of like a prominent message or like even, you know, our backgrounds, digital commerce and e-com and, or just commerce now, but I think people were talking about content and commerce probably about five, six years ago when you really needed to have a a story and a message around what you're offering rather than just jamming a sale or or like something down someone's throat. There had to be context and relevance around it. Well, the reason why I bring that up is because this, what you were saying, not knowing which levers to pull or um, how to have consistent new customer acquisition or existing uh-huh. customer growth on digital. Um, there's been like, we, we all know snake oil, right? Like you're selling snake oil. Um, that concept that over the last say 10 years, let's just say maybe 10 years that it, things are moving so fast, you know, an SEO thing comes out and then everybody rushes to the bandwagon and then a content marketing thing, which now we're seeing actually a shift kind of away from pure content pure content marketing is like, that's going to be the be all end all mm. to, um, and that was the next snake oil. And that would, a lot of businesses would buy into that. <clears throat> and I think to your point, if you could get on early enough and establish a way to acquire customers and you really had a good value proposition and you were willing to go through that process, you'd probably be a lot like you could, you could see how these digital players have grown, but for, you know, even in, in your business, you know, there's one, you know, there's, we could probably count on, on two hands, people that have achieved a solid level of scale digitally. I'm not sure it's even two hands. It may not even yeah. be two hands, right? <laughs> so, so really, when we're looking at it, is that I think there's there's this. We're I, I believe we're getting to a place now in digital where some of these theories are, you know, you can kind of step back and say, yes, we already know what that is. We don't have to rush into the next PPC wave. We don't mm-hmm. have to rush into produce. Let's actually be more strategic and think about our customer and think about our own messaging and slowly move into these things in a way that makes sense so for level, us. A level of digital maturity. A level of digital maturity. Intelligent adoption, I guess, yes. not just rushing to the next cool thing. Yeah. Which is a challenge in a, you know, in a developing yeah. industry yeah. like, like digital. Um, you always want to be the next quick thing, the next big thing, because you don't want to be behind the curve. You don't want to um, miss an opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. On the other hand, you know, baseline measurement is such a critical thing, uh, particularly in marketing. You have to have some sort of, what am I comparing that to? And, and mm-hmm. what am I, you know, is it, is it 
accomplishing what I wanted it to accomplish and um, can I measure that against something else? Uh, you know, each time you try something new, you have to have something you're going to measure that against in order to have some th- some sort of baseline mm-hmm. to say, yes, this is this was a good idea, a bad idea, or or you know, something we should abandon. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't we talk a little bit about what is Comda focused on today? You know, in terms of getting into this new world, what are some of the things when you think of you know leading this company into the future, what are the kind of immediate, I mean, digital we're going to get into, but just, you know, kind of big, bigger picture. Um, you know, that's a, that's a big question. I, you know, here's my sort of take on it. Um, I look at the other companies in our industry, mm. some of the really big players, and they don't do anything that my company doesn't do just as well or better. And so I look at that and I say, the challenge here is not to improve what I do. Mm -hmm. It's to improve how do I get that message to more people? How do I make that more widely known? Mm -hmm. And and that's where you start to look at things like... um, you know, how, what are my touch points? How, how can I reach customers? How can I yes. talk to um, customers? And there's a lot of different ways you have to be able to do that now. You can't just pick up the phone and call them all. Uh, mm-hmm. You can't just send catalogs out in the mail. I mean, lots of people throw out their junk mail. They don't even look at it. Yeah. Um, we already talked about people don't answer the phone. Um, and not everybody's online. Not everybody's or, or digitally not savvy. not in the same place. Yeah. Some, some people are on Facebook. Some people are on Instagram. It's not always the same. Right? Exactly. And so understanding how many different ways there are to reach people, how do you maximize that? How do you do it in a way that's not just sales, 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 sales? I think yeah. people are tired of being hard-sold things. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and, and in a way that's scalable. I think you know when you look at a lot of the digital uh, work that we've started to do together, it's 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 been to get to a scale, whether it's X number of videos that can be produced where you're not just doing onesie, twosie little things, you're actually saying, well, okay, well, if that works, we have to do a hundred of them. Or, you know, we have to be able to like a mailer where you can flip a switch and go to a million people. It's a little bit more a little bit more complex than that in digital, but it still has to have that that needs to be in the back of everyone's mind to say, well, how is this going to scale? Like, yeah. How can we push it out there in a, in a scalable way? Yes. Uh, we've had that conversation, you and yeah. I, a number of times. Yeah. That, okay, that great. That, that worked for a little bit. How do we make that work on, mm-hmm. a, on big, a much broader, yeah. broader scale? Yeah. You know, it's interesting you, you say the, the concept of like getting, getting it out there and, and that your business isn't dramatically different than um, the next business. And it's a, it's a really great point. And I think um, that, that I know this, uh, this painting here. Interesting story now that's being told behind these this painting. So, and I'll throw a bone out to Iconic, who is where I bought that that painting from, and a few around the office. So, it was early 2017, and um, what we had was they targeted me on Instagram, and it was a Shopify site, and I bought a couple of these paintings. To be honest with you, I didn't know much about these paintings. I didn't know if they were just somebody bought a boatload of them in China and, you know, they found an interesting way to reach me on, on Instagram. And you know what? Why not? It sort of made sense and I bought them. Turns out the backstory is extremely interesting with this company. And I don't even know if it's interesting or is it just the fact that we can know a backstory and most most of the time you can't know the backstory. Or so as a consumer, you have a, an interest in that backstory. I just I just think it differentiates them. So now they've started a podcast and you, you hear the founders and what you learn is that actually one of the two is a great artist. One of them has more of a business acumen, failed a number of years trying to get this going and you know, maybe the average person buying isn't isn't going to um, appreciate all of that. But then I also saw their production facility, and I saw 
reams of this canvas flying off of big rolls being printed and all of a sudden like if you're if you don't have that if you're if you are the the guy that's buying a bunch and I'm, I'm picking out china but i'm going to you know if you're buying a bunch of these and all you're doing is schlepping them on instagram yeah you don't have a differentiated story there is no story to tell other than the fact that that's the product that you have and you're putting it on there and you hope the price is right mm-hmm. whereas this all of a sudden you see and you see their factory and the guy what's going on and boom and that's where i think you know to your point of telling a better story and being able to um say well maybe that's we're doing it just as well or maybe even a bit better but look at Conda; it's been around for a long time you you know you can trust us you if we're a new customer coming to us maybe there's a little bit more of a reason to go with us than the you know small web guy that's just setting up a shop ah, like relatability is is a huge thing that never existed before oh, yeah i mean that was just a non-phrase you know whether you could relate to the company you did business with was almost right. immaterial and now it's a huge thing i think it drives a lot of consumer decision making we have and we um you know we were talking about this prior to starting the podcast we were talking about phones and stuff like that there's a reason why apple can charge like i don't know 30 40 50 percent more and still get away with it. Like I think the ways people buy things, whether it's on the B2B world or the B2C side of things, is I think people want to feel good about who they're buying from, why mm. are they doing it, and that's a big part of it. It's not just a price situation anymore, and it hasn't been for a while. Um, and to your to your point, like it's not even about a quality of product if you feel like, relatively speaking, you and your competitors are more or less delivering the same level of quality product. Or there's not a product that they're offering you can't either or whatever. There, yeah, there's a, um, you know, there is this, a few big trends that are, and I think it t- ties a little bit into the younger generation that we're seeing coming into f- f- right or wrong. Um, and maybe this is more of a first world problem, but, uh, you know, you, you, you see this emotional intelligence or this EQ leadership, if, if, you've, if you've heard of any of these concepts. And the, the, the whole concept behind it is that the staff want to, have they want to feel like they're adding value they yeah. want to be part of something part of something right that, that quote quote matters right yeah. whereas you you know well, shut up and do your job you right. should be lucky to have one right? <laughs> that, that was kind of like i yeah, was sort was of a... on the cusp of that even right and certainly generation generations prior was much more of that like we were just lucky to have a job and and pay our bills right so I, I think that um, where that where that sort of plays even into internal, we, we've talked to some clients that have straight up come to us and said, this digital initiative is as much of our ability to attract talent and our own staff feeling good about where they work because they're on social, because they're seeing all this stuff occur, then it is also about helping us grow the business. What do you think about that? Oh, listen, I think that... Um you know, having, I hate to use the phrase true believers, but people who, you know, are, are um, immersed in the world and, 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 you know, understand and believe in it themselves. Mm -hmm. And then also um, feel like they're aligned with a company that has progressive thoughts and is, is equally aligned. Well, they're, Um, yeah, I totally agree. They're, they're employers, a representation of who they are as people, like mm. the the qualities that they believe in, the, the things that they're doing. And it's a, it's a big part of an individual's identity. Because they talk about this with their friends on Friday night, Saturday night. Oh, what do you do for a living? Things exactly. Like like, they've got to feel good about, well, I do this, this, and this. But and this is, I, I think this is a new a new trend. Well, the, the part that isn't new is that Comda has basically reinvented itself many times. It's mm. like a perpetual reinvent, like, uh, uh, you know, reinventing. Like all the time, a company that's been in business for 40 years has reinvented itself 
responding to what the customers and the employees need to need to have and that's an ongoing thing i'm curious about somebody like yourself michael that you know was able to kind of get that thing started because it probably was not a two or three conversation kind of uh you know sail upward i mean we've got uh, we've got uh entrenched ideas and values about mm-hmm. how it is <laughs> that uh, that things are done and you went in and you said something that uh kind of got the got the digital ball rolling and it probably wasn't uh listen um you know, we're going to be able to generate X, Y, Z out of this investment over the first year. So I'm just asking you, like, how do you get that conversation going? It is a good question. And (laughs) and I will tell you categorically from a family business perspective, where, as you say, there's that generational um, pass down that, um, you know, I I will quote my father um, word for word when he said, I can count on one hand the number of customers that'll ever order anything online from us. <laughs> I was like, that's cross. I, like, I was like, really? Yeah, I mean, have you looked at some of our competitors? I yeah. mean, there are companies out there doing a lot of money in, in, in <laughs> e-commerce uh, revenue, and uh, I'm not sure that our customers are any different from theirs. But so, you know, some of it's breaking down, um, you know, uh, preconceived walls and notions and things like that. But, you know, some of it's internal. You have to, at some point, look out at the world yourself and say, hmm, um, you know, our insular way of thinking, you know, has been successful, but at some point you you reach that point where if you don't um, uh, look outside of your own company at what's going on around it, Mm -hmm. then, you know, these things pass you by and it's too late to to catch up sometimes. Um, There are a lot of venerable businesses out there that did not survive and have not survived. These are hundred-year-old companies right. uh, that, that that failed to catch the wave of what was happening and, and you know, died a horrible death. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, that's it's easy to let that happen. And so you have to have that internal thing that says, yeah, um, I don't know everything and I'm, I'm going to mm-hmm. bring in some other people mm-hmm. that, that hopefully can help me bridge some of those gaps and... and um, um, Accept that there are new directions and new ideas that you don't know all everything there is to know about. I mean, you know, if you want to sit around and have a conversation about direct mail or telemarketing, I can probably talk a lot about that and and have, you know, pretty clear and concise opinions and ideas that um, are difficult to challenge. But you know, if you want to talk about digital marketing and e-commerce, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to be the smartest guy in the room. So I need some other people in the room that yeah. that are smarter and and do have the the expertise and the um, understanding to say here's here's um, I guess it's me that has to say, here's where I want to get to. And then, you know, these other people have to say, okay, here are some of the things we need to bring to the, to the table and start doing if we're going to get there. So you're, you're, um, you're sort of on the, you're willing to take that leap of faith, right? It's a reflection of your personality and sort of how you view the business. Can you talk a bit about that conversation internally with, um, with your father probably being less so on the leap of faith side and saying, well, like, what does this give me? Like I have to feel good and have like a confidence behind what all this investment and transition is going to lead to. Cause I think a lot of our, a lot of people we talk to are in that same boat where then there's always like you're a small percentage of people who are hardcore believers and they're just willing to do it. And that's an easy conversation. Great. How do we do that? And what does that look like? But for everyone else who's kind of, you know, I sort of get it. I sort of don't, but where does this go? They can't often get in front of that. I think the hardest part is that there is no A to B direct ROI sort of thing where you can say, we'll spend this and it'll generate that and, mm. and you know, you can't miss. 
Um, mm. First of all, there are very few of those in business anyway, but there are lots of people yeah. who believe that it's mm. true. Mm-hmm. That especially if you have sort of defined methodologies that you've used for a long time, sure, you, it, like the telemarketing yeah. thing. I, mm-hmm. You know, I know if I just hire ten more people, my sales will go up by whatever that ten is relative to what I was before. If I had a hundred, now I have one hundred ten, and I'll get a ten percent increase. Um, you know that that you can't necessarily make that direct connection. So it is a leap of faith, and. Um, you know, again, credit to my, 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 my father who's sort of said, okay, listen, I don't understand it, but if you mm-hmm. guys believe that it's a thing we need to do, then I'm willing to let you guys roll those dice and then let's sort of see how it plays out for a while and, and, you know, keep me informed on how it's going, what you're doing and what we're getting out of it. Yeah. But, um, you know, I don't know enough about it to, to, to lead it. So you guys are going to have to lead it. And, and, you know, I think that was a leap of faith on his part. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, He's, uh, you know, he's sort of the worm has really turned on that. Um, we had our uh, our, our year end uh, um, Christmas lunch function, and his big thing was we're gonna unveil the uh, the new branding. We're we're comda.com now. We're no longer we've gone to comda has always been a constant, but it's sort of changed over the years as to what mm-hmm. the the sort of tag on to comda has been. And uh, he said, no, comda.com. We're, we're, we're comda.com now, and we're going to have a big banner, and we're going <laughs> to... I said, wow, yeah. really? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know... Uh, but I, I think the point was that it was a leap of faith. It is a leap of faith. It still is. I, yeah. Know, there are many times we talk in, in, in our meetings and say, okay, you know, how are we going to pull this off? What's that going to look like? What's that going to cost? How are we going to measure the success of it? Yeah. And, and, you know, these are still ongoing because it's not linear. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I think what what we like to talk a lot about is, um, and I, I, I guess the closest analogy that I would use for listeners that have maybe a traditional marketing team that could be doing print, um, or even a, or even a sales function. Sales is a little bit different because I think there's you, when you build your sales team out, it's a direct. You're really directly building that team out around the volume of business that they can go do. And if one doesn't perform, you you know you you make those changes. But for a marketing team. Outside the bigger cost of sale that you would roll up in terms of like um, the business reporting, largely your um, measurement of success is the cost of deploying that mailer. So our our cost of the printing and the postage and okay, we went after X number of them. That was a million dollars and it brought us this business, right? And we call that program spend. So close analogy on the digital side, pure PPC dollars spent. Well, if you didn't have a print marketing department, if you didn't have somebody to build the catalog in the first place and iterated a million times, and if you didn't have people building this and building that, and there's a five-person team there, you would have no print mailer, right? So that sunk cost. So we we like to talk about, we actually will get, uh, and we are getting there now, is to be able to say, well, yeah, we know what, we spent 100000 on pay-per-click. What did that return? And that's, yeah, you could take a portion of the services or the headcount if you needed to, to sort of justify that. But certainly as you start to spend those program dollars in digital in a bigger, ever increasing way, that's a way, that's where we'll get to sort of being able to say, yeah, if we were to spend a million dollars on digital, okay, you know, and we already know that in this product line on that channel, we should expect roughly that, let's go, you know? That baseline measurement that you can now say, oh, okay, yes. there is some sort of linear Rel- equation you yeah. can apply. And, yeah. and, and when you get to that point, you start feeling better about it. Yeah. And um, I think, but it's hard, you know, and I think when, you know, taking that leap of faith, faith I think there's um, uh, probably the people that are around the table that, you, that you're working with. And um, what we try to do is position our, ourself away from net new revenue generation purely. 
because what happened tends to happen in, in, in our previous life, that's really where, oh, well, it didn't work out. Boom. Yeah. Right. And I think it, in reality, part of digital marketing, and we see this across other industries, insurance being one, another one that we work a lot with, where when they hear the word digital, what it means to them is I can quote and I can bind my policy online. Th that's what they think of. They don't think of, well, how do I run better? Yeah. How do I run better campaigns? How do I communicate with my customers? How do I cross sell, upsell them? How do I, I've got... I've got 12 people on the phone every day. Could I have some digital tools to support the leads and their ability to do better business on the phone? No, 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 no. To them, it's, and I don't want that business because if you're shopping online for auto insurance or whatever, and you're, you're probably somebody that I don't want to talk to and you're going to, you know, have a bad credit score and all these types of things. So that, that it's like a rewind in the industry that needs to happen to sort of talk to them and say, no, 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 this isn't about just that it could be that for you but it's all these other things that and if you're willing to go through it like you've been then you could start to see well yeah okay and it plays a bit of a role in our in our customer upsells and it plays a bit of a role over here and it also plays a role in driving front-end business and you know our website also needs work so that can't be just ignored you know throwing a bunch of traffic to a website that doesn't work you know, that doesn't you know as we talk a lot oh, about that, so, was a, that was a big one <laughs> so i guess the advice is i get would be to sort of look more broadly at your digital stance yeah yeah i think understanding that it's more than just marketing i mean you, you yes. know we loosely term it digital marketing but it's you know i, I think i said this early on it's it's about customer touch points it's about customer interaction and and giving them ways to reach you that you know mm -hmm. um, they're more comfortable with uh, you know as i say that we talk about the phone a lot but you know people i like that are, point a lot we, we we've had other podcasts where we've talked about marketing owning more of the sort of end-to-end -end journey that's a bit sort of a catch-all sort of term, I guess, but this idea that marketing and marketing channels and, I guess, marketing initiatives are touching every aspect of how you would engage someone, an audience, customer, hopefully a new customer prospect. So that makes sense. Yeah, I, just, I, I find that that's you know, probably the unseen element that, yes. that, you know, once you get into it and start developing these things out, you realize, oh, there's a whole lot more we can do Mm -hmm. Once we have that ability to 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 digitally speak to the customer, for lack of a better yeah, phrase. no, that's a, that is a, a good way to look at it. Um, you've already mentioned a few challenges, um, and you know, looking at things like ROI and and you know, leap of faith stuff. I'd, I'd also like to say, like, if you had to pick a, a challenge out of the out of the air, um, what would you say is a big challenge that that comes off the top of your head related to digital and the the transformation of the business? Only because it's top of mind and we just mentioned it, but in a website development, mm -hmm. it just seems like, you know, every time you think you have it sort of envisioned and you start to execute it, the next thing comes up and you go, oh, wow, we really need to be able to do this. And wow, it'd be great if it could do that. And and so it's, it seems like it's a constant, um, I don't want to say battle, but a constant challenge to mm -hmm. um, make that everything you want it to be all the time. Um, yeah, and, and I, you know, I suspect we're not unique in that regard. I well, think actually, that, I'd like know. I think that we, you're, you know, you're not. And um, I'd like to Kevin to talk about the the post yesterday or the other day from Brian Walker. Yeah. So uh, for anyone listening who doesn't know Brian Walker, um, he's sort of been a, a 
longtime e-commerce thought leader in his days, well, he worked at like Eddie Bauer and Amazon, but that he really rose to prominence at Forrester leading a lot of their e-commerce research, since went to SAP and Accenture, and just a really smart guy. I think he's out of Seattle. He really likes soccer, too. <laughs> yeah, that's smart. And, um, <laughs> good man. Go to his Twitter, he's like, he's like a Sounders super fan. It's funny. Um, so anyways, he had this really great post, though, about talking about e-commerce projects being... Um, huge, huge deployments, right? Real like bandwidth suck on IT and, and business planning and business leadership. And so he's kind of saying now it's at the point where these nine month cycles can't exist, that no one's interested in that. It's really all about agility, adapting to current market um, shifts, customer demands, things like that, and being able to build business practices around how to address those quicker. And agility is the word he uses several times in the piece and really hammers at home this idea that you've got to be able to execute and adapt much quicker. And that's the sort of intersection of marketing and IT now, um, using these tools and, and websites, whether you're a commerce-driven website or, or, or just pure content like a Goose Digital, you still have to be able to address whatever those needs and challenges are very, very quickly. We live in a fast-moving world and, that, and that's happening. Uh, right? What would you... Customer expectation changes so quickly. I mean, there's, you know, the bar is constantly being moved. And, you know, if and you're. And the rate of that or the velocity of that expectation and change continues to increase. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think that when the business comes in, I think he uses this example. And, you know, we've talked about this before. Hey, we'd really have a great marketing idea or solution idea. And then you come out of the room and it's like, oh, yeah, that's a five month. That'll be four months. And it's like, and he, and he brings that up. Yeah. And one of the quotes that he had, because he, he, talks about his time at Hybris and one of his clients that he had. He now works for an e-commerce systems integrator, okay, so an e-commerce service company. And I think that's what they are, right? Yep. Yeah. So he says one of the big challenges basically um, is around this agility and the systems that are, that are in place. And he said his one of his past clients will never implement a traditional platform like like these Magentos or these SCP Hybrises ever again. Uh, for that reason, because it's we're, we're, we don't want that type of and and so what happened what's happened now and maybe Chris you can weigh a bit in on, in on this is that and we've talked a bit a bit about this like a little bit about this over over the years is that um, the technology that is allowing us to go do what we want to do from a digital perspective is stuck in a paradigm and. Um, without getting into all the gory details of what those things are, it's it's amounted to. Uh, IT people that know a certain way. I mean, I was an IT service management. I'm a practitioner level ITIL certified person. I mean, I know that world extremely well. I also know what's extremely broken in it because it was based on in a world where, yeah, you had to be really worried if you were a bank and you were doing something at night and the next morning you had 500,000 people at Royal Bank, which I where I was, logging into net action, discount trading, and God forbid it crashed. So you needed to have reams of process and shit all around it. And why? Because the technology sucked. The technology was just not mm -hmm. good enough. That's not the case anymore. We're in a world now where that tech stuff is way different. It's and built with agility in mind. It's now. got all that in yeah. mind, but you've got all these IT organizations that don't get it yet. They're still trying to get there, or in some cases they've dug their heels in, which was why I responded to the post the way I did. Yeah, or don't have the means, whether it's a process or, or skill set perspective, or even just sort of like a general culture around moving quicker. Yes, and I think that that's really, really a key is, is moving quicker. So. Anyways, I think that that's, uh, Chris, I wanted you to weigh in on it because you've got a background in this area. Well, I think that the, the, um, <clears throat> we have 
two many different sort of types of customers, but some of our customers are like new on the scene. They don't have that sort of legacy, um, mm -hmm. you know, sort which of, is a huge advantage. It can be a yeah. huge advantage, but they also are not sitting on the uh, the trust and loyalty of their customer base. Mm -hmm. So there's obviously an opportunity to leverage that by strategically going about a transformation process, which is obviously what Comda is going through, is managing their existing customer base through thoughtful, you know, sort of executive leadership mm -hmm. and making sure that they're getting the new pieces in place to kind of move the business forward. So how would you look at when we talk about things like uh, that system layer that needs to be there below the marketing layer? And, you know, some of the things we've talked about in the, in the past, just that when we walk into a client environment that isn't quite prepared to be able to take that on. Yeah, I think we. Um, I think the the only thing that really we we've we've got is the ability to sort of take a customer's um, you know forward looking strategy and say you know here is here's where we um, we can we can add value and sort of take you into those uh, areas where you want to be uh, while sort of maintaining um, you know your uh, you know your existing structure to the point where you know you're you're uh, you're looked after. I think there's something to be said too when we talk about agility and speed. It's it's not biting off more than you can chew. Like smaller bites, more frequent chews, right? Instead of Absolutely. looking at these massive mammoth projects, it's a multi-year thing. Like we know, um, continuing to improve in digital is a journey, and it's not going to happen overnight. It's multiple years. But what if we just said, let's just take this one thing and do that really well, and see what we learn, and then we'll address the next thing after that, rather than trying to do it all in one shot. Yeah, or even or even a website all in one shot. Yeah, like we talk about that a lot for our own site is, well, what pieces will we just change quickly? We won't do a whole web project. So I think what we're seeing in the space is that Comda is certainly not um, a unique and that there needs to be, I guess where I was kind of trying to go when you, when you pulled out the, the word, the website development, is that there are these inflection points, or if you want to call them pain points, we in the old days of solution selling, what's your pain? Um, <laughs> but that you need to feel that and like you, high enough in the org needs to have some of those challenges where they're like, you know what? Yeah, we have tried to do things and boy, does it ever take forever or man, we, we, we've got a new product and it just, it's not getting into the system fast enough or it's just for what, and, and to me, these are things that are, um, you know, I, I, I say this thing, I'm very passionate about it, but it's like, to me, they're just completely unacceptable. You know, it's just unacceptable. It's like we need, and why? I mean, I understand why. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's not like I'm saying our systems should be able to do it, but it's these. It's this mindset where it's like we have to get to a stance where we can just pivot and do things quickly and not be sucked down. And like you said it this morning, a year, oftentimes a year behind everywhere you want to be because a project takes nine months to do. Mm -hmm. Do you want me to expand on that really quick? Sure. Then so, we'll get Michael's buying because he's been listening hard. I, I, I you know, I, I have comments. I always have comments. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe this resonates, maybe it doesn't. But one of the things we saw at our, our last business at uh, Order Dynamics was he'd spend, um, I don't know, six to eight months searching, like a retailer would search for the right technology, the right e-commerce platform. Okay, great. You make a uh, um, really smart sort of investigative decision. We're going to go with this platform. Great. We're going to build the perfect plan around what this new website looks like and everything to do with it. And then you spend nine months building that. And by the day that you publish this thing and it goes live, it's already behind because that actually reflects the thinking in the market and your what your perceived or your perception of what your customers needed nine months ago. 
Yeah. And if you were and lucky enough to get it done in nine months. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're actually on time. So you're in a perpetual cycle of being a year behind, basically. And, uh, you know, this is, listen, I will throw this back at the experts in the room. Mm-hmm. How do you overcome that? Because you mentioned a couple of things that I think we've had huge problems with platforms, things that, mm-hmm. you know, at the time were the best way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, two years later, when you're finally at a point where you're, you know, you feel like you've got it built out the way you want, and now you want to start working with it. Uh, it's it's no longer the best platform. It no longer functions the way the new things are working. And yeah, and and, yeah. and so now you're like, oh my god, do we start from scratch again? Or yeah, uh, there there was there was a period of time that um, the paradigm really hasn't sh- didn't shift. So we're only seeing now over the last maybe two years where you can go out and acquire technology that is truly cloud and is truly that next paradigm you were stuck in a world where yeah we bought xyz product but actually all the things that came with it were exactly the same as that other xyz product that we had five years ago which was the exact same as the five years before that because that took some time to change so now now i think what you need to do and just to sort of answer the question is that i think that first of all i'm a big believer in timing you know and that some things can't be forced but you have to have um, uh, sort of that passion and that and that consistency in the message. So us as a vendor, we we push this really hard. Like we want to be saying the right things, but a customer may not be ready to sort of fully digest everything that's being said. Um, but I believe that over time that will be. And when when I know that when we met the first time, um, you talked about, well, I didn't think you know we could do much of this without Salesforce CRM because you had went off to a Salesforce. And I said, well, actually, you know, there's a lot we can do. And, and yeah, they'll, they'll want to sell you all the licensing and the dream yeah. <laughs> and the dream that you can do it all and move a platform for two years and then, and then see if you can, but we can actually eke a ton out of here. And I know in the back of my mind that through that process, we're going to a get some value for sure. We're going to get some value. And then number two, we'll start to see the eyes will start to open up around the table. Maybe we actually need to think about changing that system or changing that system. So I think that, um, a, a, a professional, um, if you want to call it that, that you might hire to say, I'm your new digital director. You know, they're going to walk in and they're going to say, I want to budget for a new this and I want to budget for a new that. And I want to, bu-. well, I'll just slow down, slow down. And after a year, as we say, they'll get burnt out and they'll move on because I'm a professional in the space. You're not going to give me a new ERP. You're not going to give me a brand new platform. Tools, the shiny you're, not tools. Gonna give, yeah. hey, you're not going to give me what I need. I want to try to make a mark here. Like yeah. I want to, I want to go do it. So that's not the right approach. You can't, you, you can't, you can't do that. And that's what I love about family run businesses is that they have this, you know, this innate protective view of this thing that they have that we're prepared to invest and make it better. But at the same time, like we're not just corporate professionals that I've hired off the street and, you know, that's what you do because that's what, that's what the name of the game is right now. It's the, mm-hmm. so it's that blend of sort of when the when the timing is right you go off and you find the right answer but i'd say the best advice is if somebody walks in and says you've got to make a whole bunch of wholesale changes and and that's the only way you're ever going to get there it's like well you know that's not the right advice i would argue that most companies probably can't afford it and um so it's extremely high risk it, yeah, exactly talk yeah. about leaps of faith yeah you know that's one that you know the um you probably there's a very small percentage of businesses that could actually withstand it and and come out the other side, you know, where they wanted, where they thought they were going to get yeah. to go. Yeah, um, that's 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 a super tough one, and and you know, it speaks to that 
sort of gradual adoption of, of yes. concepts and ideas. And as you mm-hmm. say, that, you know, eventually the eyes open up to the, 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 um, the, the new things that you see and say, oh, okay, well, I, now I understand how that works. So it'll work a lot better if we do this. Oh, okay, let's look at doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and, and if we can, you know, uh, get into this space or this platform, then, wow, look at all the things we can build out of that. Okay, great. But you sort of have to step a little bit before you run all the way to the finish line. Yeah. Um, which is a challenge in and of itself. Yeah. Well, the analysts are saying, Gartner mm-hmm. is saying that uh, 11% of revenue spent on marketing and 29% of that is, uh, is, is tech. So the quest, the, 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 what you need to be, you know, putting your, your uh, effort into in that marketing side is obviously leaning toward, toward tech, at least that's what the, the, re- the reports are saying. And I think in terms of platform decisions, I think one of the things that we've been, you know, really, uh, really bullish about is uh, making decisions on the basis of the way that these organizations are investing in their uh, in their tech. So choose someone who is, you know, uh, demonstrating ongoing commitment to by investing in their uh, in their technology and, mm-hmm. and what they're doing that's a, a big you know a big part of what we talk about with our customers sure you know making those decisions if they're tech decisions making them around those uh, those organizations that are investing heavily in that area yeah. interesting uh, concept obviously being if they're moving forward if they're constantly moving forward then mm-hmm. you're with someone who's can you can move forward with um, mm-hmm. you buy something static and you know it's it, it is what it is and it's never going to change and now you're stuck with something that, that, that that's didn't right progress right that's right yeah exactly um so well that was i mean i think that was pretty good i mean i don't know what you guys think what else do we want to throw on the table did we hit all of our points michael i think we did good. um i mean we, we, we sort of hit a little bit on where's Comda going, but I think it's a good opportunity to wrap up just in terms mm-hmm. of um, hearing a bit from you, Michael. I mean, I know I'm extremely excited and we're very proud to have Comda.com. We have to remember. There you go. Yeah. Comda.com. Comda. 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 Thank Comda. you. Yep. Com. Yeah, we did that <laughs> now everyone's going to go there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, but we are sincerely, I mean, very uh, uh, proud to, to, ha- to be part of this process. Um, so, I mean, it's exciting because I think there's so much opportunity, but what would you say is in store for Comda over the next five to 10 years? Um, you know, I think the, I think your excitement is shared by me because I think we both see the same thing that the, the opportunity is almost limitless. I mean, there are some, there's, there's some big opportunities out there. There's some very big players in our industry mm-hmm. that, you know, I said earlier, they're not doing anything we don't do. So, you know, how do you just get up to that level and let everybody else know that hey, there's an alternative to that? Yes. Um, and and I think that for us is, for me personally, that's where I sit and say, okay, mm-hmm. you know, that's where I want to get to. That's that's the opportunity. Let's let's focus to how we build to that. Um, the challenge, of course, is you got to do it step by step and, 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 you know, make the incremental things along the way. Um, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to, you know, have to learn mm-hmm. from those and not, as you say, abandon them because mm-hmm. it's real easy to abandon ideas if you make a, a, a misstep early on. Sure. Um, and and um, you know, again, that that uh, when you've got a traditional business, you've got a business that's been around for 40 years, 40, 50 years. Um, you know, there are customer expectations that were built up over those 40 or 50 years, and you can't abandon all of that all at once either. No. So there is no. a, there's a, 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 a tightrope you have to walk between um, 
going to where you want to get to and not leaving behind the things that got you there in the first place. Um, And that's, I think, the challenge in the next short sort of short to midterm yeah is, is walking that tightrope and uh and and still being on the forward leading curve and 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 you know now that we've sort of caught up now how do you get back at, how do you get out in front and yeah and, and not you know as you say continually be a year behind everybody else yeah. or everything else right yeah. were you gonna land that good i have like one kind of broader question i hope it doesn't drag out like another 10 minutes no no so, it's fine sorry i'm fine with 10 more minutes um <laughs> maybe the listeners aren't but. yeah we were talking about this sort of idea this morning and i think I think Comda.com is a really good example of a company that's uh, changed and evolved with the with the times. Any company that's been around 40 or 50 years has certainly done that. And it's a really good point that you had earlier in the podcast is it's not just the change now. There's been changes along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really good distinction. But if we look like 30 years ago, the business was sort of driven out of like catalog and then into phones. And then it's kind of become this thing right now where it's some digital, some quote analog or, or the older school. And then where do you think it's going in 10 more years and what percentage of digital that is today do you think will actually be absorbed in like 10 years? Like, do you think comda.com is predominantly a digital play in 10 years supported by traditional methods? Hmm. Broad wow. questions. So yeah, save the tough uh, one for the last. You're gonna need a crystal ball for that one. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think if you'd asked the same question of a lot of people ten years ago, they probably wouldn't have given you the answer that right, ended up being right. the way yeah. it played out for mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, and hey, listen, there's a lot of things that are unknowns. Um, you know. Uh, not to pontificate too much, but you know the, the the talk of the death of bricks and mortar and things like that. Eh, there may be a backlash to that. You know, it may mm-hmm. turn out that people mm-hmm. find that eh, I kind of miss the in store experience, and and there's a you know a reversal back to that. I love things. that point. In store is always going to exist. It might change what it looks like. Sure more experiential based like yep. whatever but i can't see a day where there's no stores anywhere yeah no. i just that and so and, and, and so when i say you know you say well is it all digital no i don't think it'll ever be i think there will always be a mix of again customer touch points customers mm-hmm. different customers want to be reached in different ways i think the real challenge in yes. the long run is going to be figuring out which methods work for which customers. Yes. You know, you, you said... Yeah, Mikey, you, you had that before too. You, yeah. you said a phrase earlier that, that stuck with me. You said they uh, they targeted you on Instagram. And I, you know, I was equal parts fascinated and horrified by that that phrase. It's like, right. targeted me on Instagram? Really? Yeah. Wow. What were they doing? I, how, did, how did they target me? How did they right. find me? What, what kind of target? What were they using? Yeah. Um, but, you know, for you, that that's you were okay with that. I mean, you're mm. an Instagram... Um, um, user and Instagram personality, if you will, right. and and so you were targetable, and you were okay, you were open to that. Yeah. Mm, some people aren't, right? Um, and and maybe never will be. And Absolutely. so um, it's 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 figuring out how to utilize all of these different methodologies to to reach the different people in the ways that they want to be reached. Like figuring out how to figure it out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, and I think I think if you have like what what I think is is. Um, part of the excitement comes from we have this mix of capabilities within or comda.com has this mix of capabilities in the business you know we've got a sales capability and we've got a really great customer service capability and we've got our production capability and, digital marketing and and yeah. we're getting we're gaining a, a digital marketing capability and we've got a, a level of marketing capability things that we understand and and now it's it's um applying those resources you know it's like well why wouldn't we, we've got a great sales capability or we have a sales capability, whatever, however you want it. But why don't we put that 
to best use? Like, why wouldn't we take mm-hmm. that capability and say, that's actually a, a differentiator? Like having that out there, that's a powerhouse. But maybe we're not, maybe if we took some digital, which we're doing, you know, some digital angle and, and hived off the things that, that, that are really great and put and let those customers, to your point, utilize the channel that they want to utilize. Right. But then the people that really do need a phone call and a, and, a, and, a, and a conversation, you know, you target and you use those resources in the right way or in, in a way that would pick, you know, well, I guess the hypothesis is that that would, would kind of be a good use of resource, right? That's the one that satisfies that. Particular, I mean, you know, right. we, we've seen this. We've laughed about it before. The, you know, customer reviews and, and two different customers will review the exact same thing in completely different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, one will say, oh, loved the online ordering experience. It was simple and fast and easy. And then the other one will be like, oh, I wish somebody would just call me and then, then let yeah. me do it that way. It's like, but it's not <laughs> even that linear because like the, the order of those things might even, or this, the sequence are different too. Like it's just like you basically have to have all touch points in good enough shape to address whatever the preference at the time is. Exactly. Because yeah. you're right. The, the, the person who ordered online may not want to follow up online. They may want right. to have a conversation That's that says, right. hey, where's my order? Or why is this thing song? Or, or you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think things off the top of my head. But Whereas you know. somebody might be more likely to place their, 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 their place their order on the phone, they might be more likely to just click on their email and get an order status. Yeah. So you better have that in place or but, pay their invoice online. Well, mm-hmm. I, I, but then, you know, things like we've had issues like this where, you know, a product is out of stock for a period of time or something. That's a very difficult thing to communicate to a customer digitally. Sure. Oh, I'm so sorry. Your product that you ordered, we don't have, and it's not going to be available for four weeks. And what mm-hmm. would you like to do? In a phone conversation where you can discuss options and, and explain why. Or and, provide and more empathy yeah, or something. Yeah, that it changes the, the, the customer perception of that conversation, right? Or that interaction. Oh, and, and so, again, as you say, you have to be skilled. You have to be very good at all of them yeah. um, to, to really succeed across. Yeah, it's like you can't afford not to be. Right. I yeah. mean, the bricks and mortar slash e-commerce retailers or brands that we always um, aspire to and would use as sort of like the examples were, to your point, Michael, the ones that truly embraced kind of all channels equally among their brand and business. So you could walk into a, give me, give me the one that was a um, mountaineering company. Oh, are you talking about Moose Jaw? Moose Jaw, that's the one. And they'd be an example. You know, you'd walk into a store and, oh, you know what, you know, buy that online if, if it's more more convenient no problem or or you know vice versa or whatever worked for them and they and were then, one of the first to adopt like sort of the the reps having ipads in the store yeah because because they had an invent they had a a total possible inventory of like you know a hundred thousand SKUs, and of course selling outdoor gear like canoes you'd need you know three warehouses to even store half of it so obviously their stores didn't have that so they'd say okay well here's one of the models oh you want i don't know the super gray metallic one well we don't have that here here's what it looks like i can make that order right now for you whereas other organizations would would frown upon that right you'd well no and we we have customers today that are in this boat right sure oh no 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 like store sales or store sales there's a there's a sales manager for that store there's reps in the store and mm-hmm. no 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 we're not trying to send that order online we're going to try to sell them something else that's there and to your point the sort of long-term effect of that is that well the customer isn't being sort of serviced in in a way that and for them they're actually doing themselves a disservice because actually they could just ship it from the e-commerce warehouse and if they just sorted out the comp plan internally the rep would be more than happy to do so. Right? I was fascinated by Best Buy when they yeah. s- specifically went away from commission sales in their in their stores. Mm. Just by the way, went away from it. What and, a turnaround for the business! Well, exactly, and yeah. and they you know they embraced the concept that you know people are probably not going to go buy a big TV online. They want to go in. Right. They want to look at it. They want to yeah. see it. They want to see the picture. They want to. 
But then they're fine to go home and look, you know, online to see where the best price for that TV is. And then wait for somebody to ship it to them. Um, right. And so they said, well, we can but, do you know, all of that. That leap of faith that we talked about earlier, they, I think they took one in a lot of retailers who, who've gotten out in front of mm-hmm. digital and now consider digital a strength for themselves say, I don't think consumers care about these metrics, so we don't either. Right. And so now we're changing how we do our business. And it's kind of an unknown because we, we haven't done this before and who knows what's going to happen. But we're trying to do right by the experience and what we think consumers are dictating in terms of expectations. And, and to so, your and to your uh, point on placing the phone call, and that maybe that out of stock situation isn't the best thing to do digitally because you want to have someone on the phone that can pivot them into a product or or really clarify because they're going to have a perception that when they receive that email and they're not going to be able to deal with it, right? Right. Um, that you're able to figure out in your business, like, well, yeah, you know, we if you're a digital entrance and you're selling promotional products, which we know Comda.com sells promotional products, and you're a digital entrance, we're setting up shop. And maybe we have an idea how to acquire clients online like, like these guys. Well, I don't have a big customer service team. You know, well, you want me to call someone with an out-of-stock product? That's probably not going to happen. I'm probably going to have to send them an email, right? I'm certainly not going to push someone over the finish line on a renewal basis next year and maybe get them on the phone and ask them how they're doing because they've been cruising the site for a little bit and just that little bump to get their next order. They're not going to do that. They don't They can't. They don't have the, they don't have the resources. They don't have the resources, mm-hmm. right? So we're in this opportunity. A lot of our great... Um, traditional businesses that we work with, they've got this, like, they've got these resources. That infrastructure exists. Infrastructure at their fingertips to, right? To leverage properly. To leverage properly. To uh, add that sort of layer that will, you know, that will uh, uh, engage that audience that maybe didn't exist five or ten years ago. It's an enhancement layer, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good term. There's a good wrap-up point right there. uh, That was a good wrap-up. It's it's this ability to um, leverage all the resources necessary to actually service the customer in, in, in whatever manner is most appropriate for that interaction. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, Bingo. Now, have we talked about, we haven't done a Simon Sinek reference on this show. And I feel like, is that just stupid? A which? Simon Sinek. Start with Well, he's got a lot of smart things to say. He, he does though, right? Like, it's not like, we're not being one of those CEOs that's No, like, I think Brian, read this book. Brian Walker got the reference today. Read there this book. Oh, he did? Okay. So <laughs> this is a thought leader in next generation leadership hmm. and, I, and i'll afford you a couple of the yeah, ted yeah. talks okay. so it talks about a, a variety of different uh concepts from leading the next generation uh pool of people that are coming into the workforce and how they need to be right or wrong need to be kind of led um as well as um the most uh well what's the book you're reading um leaders eat last leaders eat last another kind of concept of next generation leadership we're not going to get into all this but what, what I think is really interesting as it relates to this conversation is one of the more recent books that he's doing is something called the Infinite Infinite Leader. Infinite Leader, I think it's called. Sorry, yeah. Simon, if I blew that up, but it'd be nice if you actually watch this, <laughs> which I know you don't. But um, maybe Google like has transcription, which like Simon Sinek. Simon, if we say it enough times, it'll like shoot it over to him. That's probably how we're targeting not. him. Probably sure not. Um, but th- this uh, concept really quick is that most businesses are in finite. Th- they set themselves up as a finite, a finite game. This whole theory is based on this finite game is like rules, um, known objective. Everybody follows the same rule. Baseball. That's a finite game. Whenever we okay. play chess, it's a, there's, a, there's an end, there's a, be- there's a beginning and end, and there's rules. He's like, business is in a finite game. So the idea that we have uh, a fiscal quarter, not so much really, maybe in, 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 um, in uh, 
you know, family-run businesses, but, you know, we've got our annual thing and we got to do all this stuff. And, and, well, that's our competition. Well, says who? I mean, do they... I mean, do they agree with those rules that they view you as your comp? Maybe not. So he sort of goes on to say that um, really great businesses are thinking, it's, it talks about the long game. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it's saying that you, if the if infinite leaders are playing a game that is uh, not about the end of the year. It's not about yeah, it's next going, year. Yeah. It's about 20 years. Right. And we're here to have a company that is going to continue on. And that's going to be this and that and ups and downs along the way. But how do you work through that? So it's in, I haven't read the book. It's a brand new thing. I've just been watching some of the uh, podcasts, but I sent I sent a summary of it nice. to you. Yeah. He uses this one example where he's with. Uh, sorry, Simon. Uh, he's with a uh, uh, an Apple. An app, uh, uh, he comes out of a Microsoft conference, talks about how their whole focus is on how to beat Apple, and then goes to an Apple con- conference, and they're just all about trying to build the best product. And he manages to be with like employee number ten or something at Apple, and says, "You know, I've seen the Microsoft Zoom, which was their podcast or pod iPod equivalent, right? And it's ten times better than your iPod." And the the guy from Apple looks over and says, "I bet it is." conversation over like and it was just a moment that he tries to draw this parallel between like you know people that are just focused on connecting with their customer and building their business they're not they're not uh worried about you know end of year i mean there needs to be a reality check too i mean apple's an easy example with 130 billion in the, in the bank account but you know i think what we're saying is that a long game is uh is what we're talking about here. There is a dearth of leadership out there that thinks that way, sadly. And it's, it is, mm-hmm. to a large extent, I think, driven by that corporate responsibility and reporting yeah. and all that stuff. Taxes. Look, you, know, uh, you know, the free market system is great and all, but the, some of the things that, uh, mm-hmm. that are driving it these days uh, become very rigid and, and, you know, corporate think has become a real thing that's not necessarily helpful, which is why it's great to not have to conform to that as mm-hmm. a family business and be able to think outside those yeah, boxes. And, Take a know. bit of that, but then a bit, you know. Yeah. yeah. Transforming, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Michael. This has been excellent. Uh, my, the pleasure was mine. I can honestly say that. You now, now, can we go to comda.com and use Goose25? Can we, can promo, we do code, promo code promo code goose 25 yeah uh, you'd have to tell me is it still active it's, Did it's, we, uh... it's, it's definitely not active okay well, you can have to activate so we'll activate it is that is that cool not to put you on the spot i'm totally because like that. we have like a million viewers i am so totally good, good with that <laughs> okay <laughs> all right at all opportunities let's drive some revenue all right, uh, <laughs> all right. well thank you Thanks, all right Michael. guys appreciate awesome. that awesome